All right. Hi, everybody. Rob here. Another Robcast. This one's number 15, and I am so excited because the minimalists are in the house. Fellas, do you want to say hello? Hello. Hello. <laughs> and they are as thrilled as I am. Yes. <laughs> Ryan and Joshua, and um, Sean is here as well. Big Sean is in the back. You want to say hi? Hello. Studio audience of one that just became studio audience of two because Kristen Bell just showed up. Hello, Kristen Bell. Howdy. Kristen Bell was in the neighborhood. <laughs> so, the minimalists are here. I have admired what they're up to. And then uh, this week we were doing a two-day business edition. And actually what happened is partway through some of the questions you were asking, I was like, who are these guys? I feel like they're doing something very interesting. I probably should just ask them. And they're like, we're the minimalists. And I was like... The minimalists are here at a two-day with Rob Bell thing. So um, I'm going to uh, sort of interview them, and you're going to get to hear about – I'm sure you're all fans, but if you're not, you will be by the end of this Robcast. And uh, but before we do that, a couple of things. Mid-June, 15th and 16th, um, I'm doing an event called Keep Going with Vicki Beeching, Carlton Cues, Pete Rollins, Kristen Bell, and Pete Holmes. We're going to be talking about growth and what happens when you're learning and changing and evolving and some of the people around you aren't – seeing the same things and might not be on the same path. And how do you have courage? How do you stick with your convictions? How do you not become obnoxious about your newfound growth and enlightenment? And uh, so we're doing a two-day event about that, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And then um, I'm so excited because everything spiritual, everything is spiritual too is coming this summer. I'm coming to your city. Um, we haven't released all the summer dates yet and the worldwide dates, but the first two dates are now available. I'm doing the Regent Theater in L.A. at the end of June to kick things off. So you live somewhere in Southern California. Everything is Spiritual 2 kicks off end of June at the Regent Theater. All that sort of info at robbell.com. And then this Saturday night, I will be in Tucson with Pete Holmes for another tour stop on our Together at Last. So there's a couple stuff couple things that are going on. Look forward to seeing you all at all of that. But now, as I said, the minimalists are in the house. So <laughs> this is the world headquarters, by the way, of the Robcast. Love it. They are sitting on a piano bench leaning <laughs> over my son's microphone. So we are so high tech here. I am holding this battered old thing. We have it run into two different computers. It's a complete mess and it's perfect. It's beautiful. Um, punk rock is alive and well Yes. with the Robcast. Mm -hmm. So tell me... How did this whole movement, phenomenon, you're like the pioneers, the spearhead of this extraordinary thing. And I know you have other people doing similar stuff. I'm sure you have colleagues or partners or other sort of, how did this whole thing start? Yeah, we, it starts like all good stories start um, with death. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was about five years ago, I, late 2009. Um, my mother died, my marriage ended, both in the same month. And um, I started looking around and questioning sort of what had become my life's focus. And, and realized that I was so focused on so-called success yeah. and achievement, and especially on, on the accumulation of stuff. I was very ostensibly successful. Right, I had the six-figure salary. I uh, was a director of operations for 150 retail stores, which is really. What kind of car were you driving? Uh, I had two Lexuses. Oh, nice answer. Uh -huh. I'm trying to picture what this looked like. <laughs> what city were you living in? Uh, right outside of Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was living the American dream, but I I discovered that it wasn't my dream, 
I knew I needed to simplify my life. It was right after my mother died. I went to go down to deal with her stuff and found about three apartments worth of stuff crammed into her tiny one-bedroom apartment. And, and uh, she was living in Florida. She'd finally moved down there to retire. And uh, a few months after she did, she found out she had lung cancer. And a few months after that, she was gone. And I spent a lot of time down there with her while she was, well, she was going through chemo and, and radiation. But I had to go down one more time to deal with her stuff. And, and <clears throat> I found these four boxes under her bed. And they were labeled one, two, three, four. Kind of heavy old printer paper boxes. And I pulled them out one by one. And it was my old elementary school paperwork, grades one through four, right? And they had been sealed for a couple decades. And I looked at the boxes kind of confused, and, and my mind, my curiosity was running wild. And I said, Why was mom holding on to all this paperwork? But then all these memories came rushing back, right? I'm just going through this paper, and, and I'm, I find, I find that she's holding on to the memories that were in the boxes. But then I thought, well, wait a minute. You know, she, she hadn't accessed those boxes in over 20 years. Clearly, the memories aren't in the things. The memories are inside us. And uh, I kind of looked around all of her stuff and realized I was getting ready to, to do the same thing, except instead of putting her stuff in a box under my bed, I was going to put it in a big box. With a, with a padlock on it, storage unit, right? $22 billion industry, storage industry. And because um, I couldn't co-mingle mom's stuff with my stuff, right? I already had a, a, a big house and a full basement full of stuff back in, back in Ohio. And, and so a storage locker, though, that would allow me to hold on to everything uh, just in case I needed it someday in some non-existent hypothetical future. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, just in case, right? I mean, those three most dangerous words in the English language. And so I decided not to. I decided to, to let go. And I actually spent the next 12 days sort of selling or donating just about everything. and learned some really important, difficult lessons along the way. When I got home, I kind of had to take an inventory of my own life and realize that the path I was on was not leading to happiness or fulfillment or, or joy. And it's not that there's anything wrong with the stuff. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with material possessions. I think we all need some stuff. Consumption wasn't the problem for me. The compulsory consumption was the problem. And uh, I need to change that. I stumbled across this thing called minimalism found a whole community of people who were living these amazing lives with less stuff and started simplifying. And people around me started noticing that I was, that I was happier and freer and less stressed and more calm. And um, I've known Ryan since we were fat little fifth graders. We grew up together. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. We, In Ohio? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he came to me one day and said, you know, you're not depressed anymore like what's going on can I have some of your Prozac <laughs> and I told him about minimalism you know because well he had a lot of crap <laughs> yeah I, I did I was uh I was in the same uh same boat as him I was earning an awesome salary I had a this great condo I never thought I would ever own anything like this it was like this 2,000 square foot three bedroom two bathroom two living rooms 
<laughs> I have no idea why a single guy would ever need two living rooms. <laughs> well, he had a cat. <laughs> one yes. for you, one for the cat. Very straightforward. Right, exactly. Yeah. I don't know what the problem is. Yeah, so uh, my cat and I were living the American dream. and uh, <laughs> Near and, near each other? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah same at Greater Dayton, yeah. Yeah. And um, I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I was forsaking the most important aspects of my life. I hardly ever thought about my health or my relationships or things that I was passionate about or growing or contributing. I was so focused on achieving and I was so focused on making a big paycheck. Um, what kind of work were you in? Uh, telecommunications. Uh -huh. um, so it was, uh, it was, it was very taxing on, on my life. And, and I saw that Josh had kind of found, found this way to, 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 de-stress I guess and uh he showed me minimalism and I was like oh yeah this makes sense like if I own less stuff if I don't have this big condo payment if I don't have this big car payment then I won't I, maybe I won't have to work 60 70 80 hours a week so I'm, I, I'm like all right man I'm in I'll be a minimalist now what when do I do said, when he said <laughs> he showed me minimalism <laughs> A pamphlet? Oh, no. <laughs> like a, a stone carving? A website? Three easy payments. Yeah, <laughs> yes. No, no. He, he introduced me. So I, I brought him out to, a, when I noticed this change in him, I brought him out to a really nice lunch. We went to Subway. And uh, <laughs> as we were uh, sitting there eating our lunch, I just asked him, you know, why, why the hell are you so happy? And mm. he introduced me to this um community of minimalists. I mean, he talked about how he was letting go, how he was simplifying, making room for... Had he sold the house yet? Life's more important things. Yeah, yeah. How many Lexuses did he have at that point? <laughs> I think he had one, but it was paid off or something, yeah. But, um... Well done. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I saw this community of people who I noticed right away were sharing two things in common. They were all living very deliberate, meaningful lives. They were, uh, they were, um, they seemed much richer than any of the so-called rich guys I worked with in the corporate world. Uh, and the second thing is they all attributed it to this thing called minimalism. So I'm like, great, man. Like I, me being the problem solving guy that I am, I'm like, I'm in. Now what do I do? <laughs> what does a minimalist do at this point? So it, our, our journey, like our website started with uh, this thing called a packing party where Josh and I decided to pack all of my belongings in my 2000 square foot condo uh, and act like I was moving. And then I would unpack the items I needed over the next three weeks just to kind of get a feel for what I was really using. What you actually used in the course of an average week. Yeah. So he came over and helped me pack up my clothes, my kitchenware, my towels, my TVs, my electronics, my frame photographs and paintings and everything. We literally pretended like I was moving. So over the next three weeks, I unpacked and I had 80% of my stuff still left in boxes. And it was just this huge, huge light bulb moment for me. Like, wow, here's all this stuff that I have accumulated over the last decade, just thousands and thousands of dollars, it's stuff that's supposed to make me happy and it wasn't doing its job. So I donated, I sold all of it and started to simplify. And, and I went to Josh and I'm like, man, you know, I think I think we've got a unique perspective here. I think we can add value like these other folks are adding value to this, to this community, to this movement. So we did, you know, what any two 30 year old dudes would do. We started a blog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember that, that first month, um, 
it was so exciting because 52 people visited our website, right? And, <laughs> and it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, that because that, I'd written fiction all throughout my 20s. Um, uh, uh, I was unaware that much of it was actually bad fiction. And, and, and so, uh, but I had gotten good at, at writing and, and really passionate about writing over, over the course of about a decade. And um, this is my first foray into to nonfiction and really... Um, that genre, which I was totally ignorant to. And Ryan came to me with this idea of, hey, I think we could add value to other people's lives. Like, I think people could find in our story interesting and, and tweeze out some ingredients from our recipe. Because um, it's not like we're out you know, proselytizing. Like, I don't want to convert anyone to minimalism. Yeah. Uh, we just want to share a recipe that worked really well for us. And so those 52 people who showed up, it was like, wow, that's amazing. And then 52 turned into... 500, 500 turned into 5,000, and now it's four or five million people. And and it's this amazing growth, but it turns out that when you add value to someone's life, I, I think that they're pretty eager to share that with their friends and family to try to add value to their lives as well. Yeah. So you start blogging, mm -hmm. and people start asking you questions. People start sending in, would you talk about this? Would you address this? Where does it go from the blog? Where, where do you go from 5,000 to 5 million? What happens in that period of time? Are you both still working where you were working or are yeah. you? Mm -hmm. So yeah. this is on the side. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were just having these little beautiful revelations that we wanted to share with people, whether it was about uh, the number of things people own. Cause that was kind of the beginning of the movement. It was like, how many things do you own? That was, it was uh, made minimalism sexy, I guess. But we, it wasn't about that for us. So, you know, we talk about things like that. We, we talk about, um, you, you know, making our priorities our actual priorities. Because, you know, too often we say our priorities are our health. It's our relationships. Yeah. But our priorities are what we actually need. And then we look at the calendar and it's organized around a very different set of values. Or, or we're just, we're, we're incessantly checking email or Facebook or whatever. And when I say we, I mostly mean me. Um, you know, right. I, all I can do is sort of project my own circumstance onto other mm -hmm. people. And, and, and my priorities, like the Ryan said, I, I said they were one thing, but that was just lip service. Whereas I forsook the people closest to me. I forsook my health. I used to weigh 80 pounds more than I weigh now. I, I forsook everything that was important. In fact, I'd gotten to a point where I didn't even know what was important in my life. And it's a weird feeling because you, you said, what am I passionate about? What is important? How am I going to define my own success? Because I, 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 we've been sold this meme or this template of success uh, that is you know, sort of the American dream. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that other than thinking it is the path as opposed to a path. Mm -hmm. So where did you move? So you moved? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was that? Three years ago. Yeah, we were we were on our first uh, very small book tour. It was at the end of it. We were leaving Vancouver, BC, and driving home to Ohio, and uh, we stopped in this little town called Missoula in Montana. And it before that, if you would have asked me, Ryan, if you could live anywhere, where would you live? <laughs> I'd say Maui. Like I, I love Maui. I mean, it's it's so remote. Like I never would actually move there, um, but Missoula all of a sudden trumped Maui and it was, it was because of the beauty. It was because of the community. And, uh, yeah, so we, <laughs> we came back and visited for a week and, uh, 
I was like, dude, we should totally do the whole writer in the cabin in the middle of nowhere and like write our next book. So that's what we did. We moved into a cabin in the middle of nowhere on the side of a mountain and uh, wrote everything that remains. And um, yeah, I guess the rest is history. And that was the second book. Mm -hmm. The yes. first book is called what? Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. Minimalism, and give, can you give us, like, it's about, is it like, here's what you do with your closet? Or is it, is no, it sort I, of conceptual? Is it practical? What, how to? Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I tend to say we don't write how-to books, we write why-to books. Oh, um, nice. Just because, like, the, the how-to stuff's fairly vapid or, or banal, right? I mean, everyone knows how to declutter their closet, and... I'm probably not going to give you the best advice on that anyway, right? I mean, I think the best way to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a short book. <laughs> right, right. It's like a, it's a pamphlet. So what would be an uh, example of a why? Well, I, I, so the first, the difference between the first book and the second book, the first book is, it was, uh, was more of, of um, uh, somewhat prescriptive nonfiction in, in the sense that it's about the five most important areas of life. Like once you get past the stuff, what are you going to focus on? Because I don't think it's just about getting rid of the stuff. I think you can get rid of everything you own and be utterly miserable. We're not out propagating that message at yeah. all. It's about getting rid of the excess so you can actually get more value from the things you do own. Yeah. And so once you get past that, what do you focus on? Well, for us, it was five areas. It was health, relationships, passion. Like, what are you passionate about? Can you cultivate a passion? Uh, growth and contribution. You know, how do you contribute beyond yourself in a meaningful way? And so those those five areas are really important to us. And then the second book is Everything That Remains, and, and that's much more of the the narrative behind all of it. You know, it's, it's a memoir uh, of our last five years from these suit and tie corporate guys to becoming minimalists. Fantastic. So you go out on book. Last year you did a hundred cities. Yeah. <laughs> and like a, you do a reading from the book. Yeah, I'll give a. 15 minute talk he'll read for 15 20 minutes and then the real value i think is the q a that and then the do. q a yeah um because so that's what bonds us is we but we love a good q a yeah <laughs> we love a good foreign city people can ask anything they want yeah. you have no idea what is coming kristen and i were doing a q a a couple months ago and a guy had brought his dog to a bookstore um he's sitting there with his dog on his lap and he asked this question that was like a what if sort of question that was like one of those you know the question where you're like i have no idea is there a question in there right. <laughs> yeah right right and it's just uh, a, like a crazy hypothetical yeah where you're like you're lost two sentences into the question which has like nine sentences and i just said to him <laughs> if i were to ask you a hypothetical question could you not answer it which i thought was the cleverest answer ever <laughs> kristen's like it's just not that funny i just killed myself in the moment like a good q and a you know the sparks yeah. the unexpected I Kristen thought it was funny. The oh, good. The repeating of it over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen says, I thought it was funny just you telling that story over and over. Isn't that funny? Uh, Tell me the kinds of questions that people ask. Well, my, my, my favorite, you've mastered my favorite pedagogical technique, which is if I don't know the answer to a question, I just answer a different question. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, you're on to me. <laughs> but you do it masterfully where it's just like, Wow, he's answering my question. Um, <laughs> I, I can tell you my favorite question from last year was was um, we are Montreal, and, and they they tend to be a bit more uh, upfront. Uh, and this woman goes, so after telling our whole story and sort of pouring our hearts out, so can you tell me is minimalism just for single rich white guys? <laughs> 
pause, silence. <laughs> There's like crickets in the crowd. And, um, you know, I, while I would probably posit the question more congenially than that, I, I um, you know, I think it's an interesting thing. It's one of the things that really, that really drew me to minimalism is I saw all these different people. The first guy that, that we were introduced to was a guy named Colin Wright who runs a, a website called Exile Lifestyle. And he travels to a new country every four months based on where his readers send him. So he doesn't even get to pick where he's living. Or like a crowdsourcing life. Now, and he writes about it, right? So, so, so his audience says Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then he packs up, moves to to Bangladesh. You know? That's that's correct. I mean, he's been Argentina, Iceland, Thailand, wherever. Um, and, and the exile lifestyle. Yeah. Colin. What's Colin Wright. Colin Wright. Yeah, and and so, but he was this young, peripatetic vagabond. I didn't have a desire to live like that, but I found it really admirable that this thing called minimalism allowed him to get down to what was essential and pursue what he was passionate about. And then there were people like um, Courtney Carver, who runs something called Project 333. Uh, it's a wardrobe minimalist fashion yeah, challenge. Yeah. And um, you know she has a teenage daughter and lived in Salt Lake City with her husband and her daughter. Um, there was Leo Babalta, Zen Habits. You may have heard of Zen, Zen Habits. Habits. Yeah, he he's a great guy. But but this amazing minimalist because he has six kids. He's, he's early 40s, kids from everywhere from elementary school to college. And he's, you know, like an ultra minimalist and lives in San Francisco. Um, and his kids live with him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. His, his kids and his wife. Have you been to his house? Uh, no, we've spent a lot of time with him. Um, what would be something, as, as parents of three kids, what would be something that jumped out at you about how you practice simplicity and minimalism with six kids? I, I think the, the thing that I learned most from him, because uh, we get questions about kids all the time, and it's always easy for us, cause Ryan and I, neither one of us have kids, so <laughs> yeah. we're just like, yeah, you minimize the kids, it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, but like I said, it was very appealing to me, and what I learned from him, there's also another guy named Joshua Becker, who wrote a book called um, Clutter Free with Kids. And, and clutter free with kids. Yeah. Joshua Becker. Uh-huh. He lives down in. Uh, he's a pastor who lives in um, Phoenix now. The reading list you're giving people right now is, by the way, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, no, it's go great. back and listen to my own Robcast <laughs> to uh, get the reading list. Fantastic. It's, it's great. So, so Leo and Joshua both. They uh, you go to, you can go to theminimalist.com/slash/children and you can just find links there to their stuff. Um, but what I found. Uh, we interviewed both of them for a documentary we have coming out next year and, and spent some time with their families. And what I found is that uh, the kids watch, right? The ki- kids are constantly learning yeah. from your habits. They're picking up their habits from your actions. And, and so they're going to act however you act. And they're also going to act, you know, a seven-year-old's going to often act like a seven-year-old. You're going to think about yourself when, when you were seven and, and it's probably appreciably different from you know, someone who's 37, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, so understanding that. But, but I also find that children are a lot like adults in the sense that they see the benefits. Mm-hmm. They see the why to, not necessarily the how to. I mean, you can go home and say, we really need to start getting rid of our stuff. And people are going to look at you like you're crazy. Like, why would I get rid of my stuff? But if they understand the benefits of simplifying... 
Uh, I, I always start with a question. I started my journey with a question. How might your life be better if you owned less stuff? And by understanding that, I was able to say, wow, I can regain control of my finances because I made really good money, but I spent even better money. Yeah. And that yeah, equation yeah. just does not work, right? And right. so I had massive amounts of debt. So I regained control of my finances. I regained control of my time, my health, my relationships, and, and things that were actual priorities. And... and just by simplifying my life, by putting less focus on the material things. And I think there's a weird paradox in there too. By, by getting rid of the excess stuff, we're able to say, wow, as a minimalist, everything I own serves a purpose or brings me joy and everything else is out of the way. Oh, that's fantastic. This is profoundly spiritual. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we, we talked about the last couple of days with, with you know, the, the everything is spiritual and everything is spiritual, too. <laughs> well done there. <laughs> Very um, grateful for the plug. Are, are, are you going, are you, actually, are you going to do the T-O-O? Yeah, everything is spiritual, too. Too. <laughs> um, no, it's great. Um, and and I, I found that, you know, I've been able to focus a lot more on, on meditation and uh uh, that sort of mental clutter. I think quite often the, the, the physical stuff, you know, the material possessions, are, are a physical manifestation. Manifestation of an internal reality. What's absolutely, going on inside? Absolutely. Do you yeah. come from a spiritual tradition? Yeah, I grew up Catholic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and and uh, got out about 14, time served. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of tells us all we need to know. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it, and I, Ryan and I, I both grew up very differently in, in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I grew up a uh, Jehovah's Witness. Um, I got out of that in my early 20s. Um, it was there a defining moment when that no longer was your sort of tribe or worked, or how did that work? Yeah, um, I don't know if I want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, got uh, it. I yeah, understand. Yeah, I, I mean, because it's, it's, uh, it's really personal, but mm -hmm. uh, I still very much respect the organization and mm -hmm. um, any other religious organization. Um, but, but yeah, my, my beliefs have certainly altered a little bit um, mm -hmm. over the past, over the past years. But I'll tell you what's funny at, at our events, um, inevitably someone will come up to us in line and say, it is so nice to see two young Christians spreading the message of Jesus Christ. Keep, keep going. And we're like, thanks. And then like, they do. Two, yeah. And then two people later, and then two people <laughs> later will be, you know, it is so nice to see two Buddhists going around and spreading the message of <laughs> We're like, thanks. We got an email, you know, a couple months ago, like, you know, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Muhammad was the original minimalist. Yeah, so it's, it certainly um, has, has some connections with that stuff. And, and, and yeah, I would say that, you know, minimalism dates, this is not a new idea. I mean, it dates back thousands of years. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can look at the Stoics, you can look at, at Thoreau, you can look at Gandhi, you can look at Jesus, you, you can look at um, all, all of these people who are, who are living you know, more intentionally, right? And, and I think that the main difference now is this is an old idea, but it's an, uh, a reaction to a new sort of mm. problem, the, the problem of yeah. consumerism, yeah. right? And, and this template of, uh, I call it the success template, right? That, that if you do X, Y, and Z, then you'll be happy. And, and we've learned that that's not, that's not necessarily the case and we're looking for more. And, and so you, you can definitely call that spirituality, but I think we have a lot of physical clutter, obviously. And I think that's yeah. where it starts for most of us. But we have this emotional clutter, this mental clutter, this spiritual clutter, this internal clutter. 
and, and dealing with the outside helps us deal with the inside. Yeah, yeah. That that there's such a direct link between your heart and your soul and material reality. And now you have like with quantum physics, the discovery that matter itself is actually simply an arrangement of energy. And that even the distinction between the material and the immaterial. So that the, the piano bench that you're sitting on, the desk that I'm leaning on here, it seems firm and solid and stable. It's actually made of atoms and atoms are temporary arrangements of frenetic spasmodic energy. So even the very nature of the material realm is it is energy in relationship. And so it's interesting is we, we have this dichotomy in our minds between hard material reality and then sort of, you know, hope, love, peace, freedom, relationships, growth, um, contribution. And, and yet that line doesn't actually exist at a sort of scientists are now saying actually the whole thing is energy and relationship. Yeah. I mean, so, we act like our, our, physical bodies and our brains are sort of standing in opposite corners of the room. Yes. And, and they're not. I mean, it's all, yeah. all of it is connected. And whether it's, it's your health, because if you don't have your health, I mean, what else do you really have? The, the richest man in the graveyard is dead. Um, and, and so, like... That's a good line, by the way. <laughs> why, why not? You know, the corollary to that when I was growing up was I've never seen a hearse with a luggage rack. Uh, <laughs> love that. <laughs> love that. No, it, but I, I feel I, I feel that that we we forsake what's important for these sort of ephemeral pleasures, and, and uh, while there's nothing wrong with them in small doses, I think it's like candy, right? You can eat a piece of candy and you're fine, but if you, your in, entire diet consists primarily of, of candy and sugar, you get pretty sick pretty mm -hmm. quickly. And mm -hmm. I think I think we've done that, but the candy now is uh, is a little more pernicious. It, it's it's the the stuff, or or now it's you know whether it's social media or email, these these ephemeral bursts of dopamine and I think we get we get sick in sort of a, a spiritual way as well. Right, right, right. That if it's that there, and that every tradition, I love that you. I love people saying to you that was the best. I'm so glad you're spreading this Buddhist message. I'm so glad you're that every tradition has acknowledged this direct connection between weight, physical weight, mm -hmm. and weight like on your heart. Mm -hmm. um, that's fascinating. So now, do you still live in the same cabin on the side of the mountain? No. You have two cabins no. side by side? We moved into the, uh, into the city. Uh, Missoula population, 67,000. Yes. <laughs> city in quotes. City in right. quotes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I live with my girlfriend now. Um, you know, Josh can only put up with me so, so much. So he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a introverted guy, so uh, yeah. It was, I'm very OCD. He's very ADD. Right. <laughs> uh, oh. And it, it, works out, it works out really well. Yeah. We, we have, like, if you look at our, our personalities on, on a Myers-Briggs... We are exact opposites. <laughs> um, we have this really great pedagogical relationship because we're both mentors and mentees for each other. And I, I think what, what, what bonds us is we have similar values. And, and so the people in my life now, for the longest time, my relationships were predicated on proximity and convenience, right? We have to live in the same neighborhood. We, we, we were, worked in the cubicle next to each other in the same office building or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with those people, but they didn't necessarily share my same values. Yeah. And and now all of my relationships have the same values. They might have radically different beliefs or, or different personalities, 
but but we we have similar value systems. And so now, uh, what's next? We have a documentary coming out uh, next year, uh, minimalism uh, film about the important things, and it is really exciting to use this vehicle to yeah. get our message out yeah. there. Because you know we have a blog and. We have books, but you know, it's like, what is it? 49% of males read in the United States. So it's really exciting for us yes. to have this other vehicle. Like too. a feature, like a ni uh, 90 minute, like a feature length. Yeah, yeah. It's about 80 minutes. That's, like a so, Sundance yeah, type yeah, of make yeah. the rounds yeah. of the festivals. Yeah, yeah we're going to do the film festivals. Uh, we're submitting uh, starting this summer. Uh, it's done. We actually had a guy in, in, in uh, Orange County who did the, uh, did the score for it. One of my favorite bands, a band called Parlor Hawk. And... Um, Awesome. Yeah, the lead singer that did the score for it. It's an amazing film. We have a, a really talented director. His name is Matt Diabella. So you'll go out when it, you'll go out and promote it and We're not doing another hundred city tour? No, hundred <laughs> city tour. Is there another book in the works? Oh man, yeah, we definitely have uh, Do you have a lot of ideas? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, it's 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 funny. Um I just never expected to to go this long on the subject of minimalism, but it just, we have a ton of ideas and yeah, we could write books for, you know, the next 10, 15 years if, if that's what we wanted to do. But yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm just really excited to get the documentary out and, and show people the different flavors of minimalism because like Josh said, it is two single white guys, like just, you know, it's, hey, just get rid of your stuff. Uh, so it's nice to have other people who are, you know, have minimalist families or uh, an architect who who uses simplicity to be a, to be a great architect or uh, we have musicians in there too so it's really nice to put all those flavors out so people can yes and if you can help moms gold yeah I mean, there are certain <laughs> groups that you think you know there are certain people who carry an unusual weight and it sounds like even um, Zen habits and some of the sites here. Okay, what's the what is there something that most people assume they need that when they get rid of it are shocked that they didn't need it like they thought they needed it? Are there a couple different items or is there something the most amount of people you've seen are surprised? Oh my word, I assumed that was like absolutely necessary and it wasn't. Yeah, those those three words again, just in case. Just in we case. hold on to everything just in case we need it someday in some hypothetical future that is probably never going to come. Ryan and I came up with a rule. This was while we were on our, our first tour, which was a very small tour. We were lucky to have like two people show up, but it was awesome. <laughs> but we never got shut out. So, <laughs> uh, and, and it was great. We learned a lot. It was more of a listening tour than anything. We just showed up and listened to people. Um, and, and we were gone for like just a week, but we, we opened up the, the trunk to our tour bus, which is Ryan's 2004 Corolla. <laughs> and nice. um, we had like, each had a suitcase and a duffel bag. I had a garment bag for some <laughs> reason. And I'm like, what am I doing? We're the minimalists. We're hypocrites, man. We're Look such hypocrites. Are you really? Yeah, and, You're and, in a parking lot somewhere standing behind a Corolla going, we're the minimalists yes, and we're hypocrites. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, what are we doing? And, and it turns out though, like, we just packed all these things just in case. Like, oh, I'm going to bring this just in case. Oh, I need that second pair of swimming trunks just in case. And you have all these things and it adds up. And then I find that that applied to my, my home life as well. Like, even after simplifying, I was still holding on to a lot of things just in case. And, and so I uh, talked to Ryan about it and we came up with this rule. We call it 2020 rule. And uh, it works like this. If there's anything that you're holding on to just in case, but you don't see that you're going to use it, then 
You can replace it for less than $20 and less than 20 minutes from where you are. And that rule has held true 100% of the time for us. It's our theory that it holds true 99% of the time. I'm sure there's an exception that proves the rule. But it's 2020. 20 minutes, $20. If you can replace it in under $20 in under 20 minutes, mm-hmm. then why are you holding on to it? Right, exactly. But here, here's the, so you're like, well, yeah, but you're going to spend all kinds of money. No, between the two of us, we've had to use it like five times in the last five years. Right, right. The truth is you don't end up replacing the things you're holding on to just in case. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. <laughs> well, I, uh, anything else to wrap it up? Anything? Uh, minimalists.com. Theminimalists.com. Theminimalists.com. You can check out uh, our, our trailer for our film. It's uh, minimalismfilm.com. Yeah. And if really, you know, we were to leave, you know, your listeners with one message, it would be, it would be this, uh, love people and use things because the opposite never works. In my line of work, we would say that preaches. <laughs> That's really, really great to have you all. And I'm so thrilled that you came this week to the two day. Yeah, it was and great. Thank you. Partway through, I'm like, wait, these guys are on it. I don't know what they do. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting there looking at the crowd and I don't know what people do, but by the nature of their questions and the comments you're making, I'm like, these guys do something really interesting. And then, Joshua, you were like, I was like, now what do you do? And you're like, I'm a writer. <laughs> and I pictured like a, I was like, is it like teen fiction? Like, I, I actually had that thought, like, I'm a writer. Because <laughs> you didn't say I'm an author, you said I'm a writer, which means I don't know if anybody's read what he's written. Yeah, um, that's great. And then your question, John. So then when you were like, finally, well, we have this thing called the minimalist. I was like, are you kidding? You've been here for two days not talking to us. So thank you so much for coming on the Robcast. Thanks for having us. Um, You're awesome. Thank I'm you. so behind you. I'm cheering you on. And hopefully all the people listening will get connected and see what you're up to. And it's great. Yeah. It's great. Until, and then we'll meet again somewhere on one of your 100 city tours. Yeah, Love that. Definitely. Thanks a ton. Thank Thanks. you. This is the Robcast. Over and out.